Um, hello, everybody, and uh, Kia ora. Um, in today's session, we will present a data provision framework uh, that can be used by road agencies to build um, capability in providing data to connected and automated vehicles. Uh, welcome to you all, and thanks for joining us. My name is Ekaterina. I'm a communications officer at Ostroad, and I will be moderating today's session. First of all, I would like to acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. I pay my respect to all this past, present and emerging. I also acknowledge the Treaty of Waitani and Mary as the original people of New Zealand. A little bit about Austroads. Um, we are the collective of Australasian transport and traffic agencies, and our focus is to support our member organizations to deliver an improved road transport network. The project that we are focusing on today uh, was delivered under the Future Vehicles and Technology Program, which is managed by BBK Matthews. So a little bit of housekeeping. Um, our presenter will speak for about 40 minutes and then we will have a Q&A session at the end of the webinar. Uh, the slides today's presentation is based on can be downloaded from uh, the handout section of your sidebar, which you will find on the right-hand side um, of your screen. So the project that we will be talking about today has produced eight reports um, and they all can be downloaded from our website or we can um, uh, we just send you um, a link to the web page in the chat box. Um, there are eight reports uh, on that web page that you can download separately or there's also one link to one uh, very large PDF file. So just choose whichever uh, way you prefer. Um, so the sidebar that you have also has a question section. Please use it to send us your questions for the Q&A at any stage during the webinar. Um, if your question relates to any particular slide, um, include the number of that slide in your message to help us um, answer your question as best as we can. Um, you can also let us know um, if you have any technical problems. But just a quick tip, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, the issue is most likely with your internet connection. Um, so leaving the browser, uh, leaving the session and rejoining again via your registration link usually helps. Um, this session is being recorded and we will let you know when the recording is available on our website. If you listen to podcasts, um, you can find Ostroads in your podcast app. And it gives me great pleasure to introduce our presenter for today, David Yi. Uh, David is Managing Director of Transport Management Consulting with uh, nearly 25 years experience in various transport management and transport technology roles um, across government and private industry. Uh, David has extensive experience in uh, traffic and transport planning and operations, business and technology strategy, project and program planning and delivery, um, intelligent transport systems, and uh, connected and automated vehicles. Uh, welcome, David, and uh, over to you. Welcome, everybody. So first up, well, I'll give you some project background and overview. Um, and first, just some context and understanding about where this project has been delivered. As Ekaterina has mentioned, it, this project was delivered within the Austroids Future Vehicles and Technology Program under Vivica Matthews, um, and tra Transport Management Consulting uh, was engaged to deliver it. And the, the primary authors for this work are myself and uh, my colleague Samantha as part of the Transport Management Team. 
In terms of the working group across Austroads members, we got involvement and engagement through all uh, jurisdictions and the Department, Federal Department of Infrastructure. So this was a, a broad-spanning uh, working group uh, across Australia and New Zealand. In terms of the project's objectives, we were looking at how best to provide data uh, from road agencies, road and transport agencies to connected and automated vehicles. So the question was really around, well, how might road agencies best do this? Because we recognise there are some high priority data sets that Austroads had identified, and we've got an emerging environment of connected cooperative and automated vehicles, so agencies needed some guidance to be able to do this, and that's the purpose of the project. In terms of the scope of the, the project, six data types were included. I've listed them here in this slide. So we talked about, we looked at variable speed limit zones and lane control signals, unplanned incidents and road closures, planned road works, static speed limit zones, traffic signal data, including signal phase and timing, and vehicle preemption or priority data, and finally, heavy vehicle road access restrictions. So looking at this scope of where data may come from and, and end up, we've got this image that, that depicts the main area. So we're talking about at the top in the blue section is what we'd say is the transport agencies. So that might be their transport management centres or some of the operational or management systems that agencies are using to generate and collect data. This data is then presented or provided to information service providers. They might be commercial map makers or um, travel information uh, companies. So at the same time, an agency may also provide the, sorry, uh, act in the role of an information service provider where they're directly communicating with consumers. And so when we look at the consumption of data, it might look through the fact that we go to vehicles, which are in the bottom left of the, the picture, or also to personal devices. They might be portable navigation devices, um, phone apps, and also computers. And in the, in the bottom right, there may be an intermediate sort of stage where road agencies own field infrastructure and the data coming from an agency system may go through field infrastructure before it gets to vehicles. So that's generally the landscape that we looked at for this project. Um, and in, in doing that, we identified the mustard coloured interfaces, which are the nine types of interfaces across which data could flow. So that is the sort of the, the context and the scope for, for the project when we looked at what we investigated next. In terms of the project methodology, we went through a sequential approach to look at these six data sets. So the first set of data we looked at is how do we best provide roadwork data followed by incident data, variable speed limits and lane control signals, static speed limits, uh, traffic signal data, and then finally the heavy vehicle access restrictions. So in each of the six reports, we generally followed the same process. We did a literature review, we developed a data provision framework, and then reported on findings and recommendations. Report seven or, or module seven is a case study of the, the application of the module four, which is the static speed limit data guidance. Um, that's putting it into to practice, or an example of putting it into practice in a hypothetical situation. 
And then finally, the report eight is a summation of all findings and all reports, and that's the final product. So in terms of understanding, well, providing guidance to CAVs, what we first did is provide a context, or it's good to know what sort of context we're planning for. So we need to understand what the environment of vehicles and, and traffic management and data provision are. So these few slides sort of give that context. So when we look at what's expected of future vehicles, there are three elements to future vehicles that have been sort of kicked around for the last few years. There's the idea of connectivity, that vehicles will receive uh, or receive data being connected by some means. Secondly, we talk about the cooperative aspects of it with, for instance, cooperative ITS, where um, vehicles are sharing their intentions about what they're doing. And then finally, we're also looking at the automation aspects of it. So can a vehicle make decisions and actually take actions for itself? So if we look at that, um, that sort of forward looking view, we need to understand how we plan for that time-wise. So Austroads has done some work here and, and looked into 2030, and I think a recent update to 2031, but roughly predicting that 98% of vehicles will still be human controlled by 2030. And there's only a small percentage that can really drive for themselves. But some will still have some, 67% well, or so will have some form of driver assistance. But in the main, we're talking 88% of vehicles will have some element of connectivity, meaning that they will be able to communicate and receive data somehow. Also, when we look at the future needs for vehicles, we understand what might be the future view of the, a road agency managing the road or a road operator. So at the moment, road agencies might make decisions about uh, traffic control during day-to-day -day business network operations or for incidents, but generally it's an open feedback sort of state where um, you might inform or, or instruct sort of or suggest or try and influence traffic flow, but in essence, you don't know what the impact of that is. But in the future, there's the concepts of something like TM 2.0 that's come out of Europe that's predicting that traffic management will become a closed feedback loop. And for that, it needs uh, data to flow from agencies to vehicles and vice versa. And with that, uh, operate, road operators will better understand the impacts of some of the changes and strategies they're implementing. So that is a future consideration that we need to look at. And specifically now looking at what connected and automated vehicles need in terms of data. This is a well sort of known model, the, the Etsy's local dynamic map, which categorizes different data types depending upon how transient it is. So at the, at the most static um, sort of state of data, and we're talking about infrastructure that might be on a base map, that's of a type one data, it's permanent. Type two introduces some sort of um, transientness into it. So we talk about things like transient static data, which might be static speed limits that change less change, but less frequently. Type three might be things like changing weather and changing traffic conditions, that's moving into the dynamic data. And then finally, the highly dynamic data, type four, which is data relating to vehicles that are actually moving around the network. 
And in terms of what a data, what a CAD would use data for, well, there are three main uses. Firstly, we talk about situational awareness, that is understanding what's happening around me. Um, secondly, we can use data for better route and trip planning, e.g. minimising disruption due to roadwork or incidents. And thirdly, for an automated vehicle, they will need to know what is the best path and speed to take. So there are the three broad categories or, or use cases for, for road agency data that CAMS has seen to need it for. So with that context and background, I'll then look at what we've produced in terms of the outputs. I'll focus on the six first six reports, modules one to six, because they are the specific documents focused on providing guidance um, for agencies and providing this sort of data to CAMS. Reports seven and eight are the case study and final report. Um, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But in terms of the first six reports, the way we've structured it is that these are standalone, separable pieces of, of um, work. So we've had, the way we approached it is that we had practitioners in mind. So we built it so that they're standalone, that you can actually read module one, uh, for instance, by itself without any dependencies on the other reports. So we did that because we thought it was a practical way to uh, manage that output. And if you are after a, an overview and don't have time to read each of those six reports because they're quite meaty reports, we're talking sort of 150 plus pages each, you can grab the final report, which is a summation uh, of the first seven reports. In terms of the first six reports, they all generally are structured the same way. So we have a literature review uh, and then also some findings and recommendations. But the important piece of each of these reports is what we've called the data provision framework. So the data provision framework contains three main components. That is the capability model, the reference conceptual architecture, and implementation guidance. Now, in terms of the capability model, it is a, a bit of a maturity model to understand where an agency might be uh, now, where it might want to be in the future, and understanding also the spectrum of possible sort of capability states in terms of the vehicles you want to serve and the uses of that data as well. So it's a bit of a dartboard for understanding where you are and where you want to be. If you move to the, the centerpiece of the data provision framework, we've also created what we've, what we've called the reference conceptual architecture, which are a suite of reference models for how an agency might implement both its business and information systems architectures to support whatever target was, was adopted in the capability model. Um, so though the intent of the conceptual reference architecture is to take those models and adopt and adapt them to a local agency's requirements. And then thirdly, the implementation guidance is a simple five-step approach to actually use the instructions on how to use the capability model and the architecture content to actually uplift your data provision capability. So looking at the capability model, we've, we've got two axes on this, this image. The horizontal image, horizontal axes, which are really the three or four orange boxes talking about the use case types, and we talked about those before. 
So we look at why a vehicle might want to use data, and that is for route and trip planning, warning and advice, and path and speed control for an automated vehicle. In the vertical, the vertical view looks at the different capability levels of a vehicle. So to account for the trends in in cabs, we've got uh, that it's sort of reflecting the 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 um, CCAM work that we showed earlier in the slide pack, but this reflects day one, two, three, and four, which generally reflect the cooperative and automated vehicles. But what we have done also is to add a day 0.5 human awareness, which is for the near-term vehicles that we need to support. In terms of the reference conceptual architecture, that is a view of what could be done for both business and information systems. Okay, so we've got some models about that. And the sorts of things that we include, um, include some business view of the world, um, including functions and use cases and processes, but also into the data, we've got a view of um, data needs and application components that might be needed as well to support an agency's provision. Um, and in terms of the data provision value chain, there's this value chain Sorry, I'll just pause there, take a, take a sip of water. Sorry, I'm back. Um, in terms of a, a value chain, we, we talk about the sort of process for data provision. So, Agencies are in the business of gathering data, providing data, um, and before they actually hand it off to the vehicles. And the vehicles or road users are uh, those tasked with processing and, and converting it to information for vehicles and vehicle operators. Okay. And then finally, there is a step that we've called data disposal. So it's important that data is recognised that it, it has a finite sort of life. Okay. So you may need to replace it because there's updated data or it becomes outdated, so you need to dispose of it. So agencies need to support this entire value chain in provision of data. Because in, at the end of the day, if agencies aren't, aren't managing this properly, then data can't be used for the purposes that it's intended. In terms of business architecture, I've got some examples here. So the sorts of things that are kept, that are shown in each of the six reports mirror these examples. Now this is taken from the first module, which is the roadwork document. And in the top left, we talk, we've got some examples of operational processes around roadwork data management. In the bottom left, we've got an image of some stakeholders and stakeholders vary from human actors, but also systems or applications. In the top right, there's a summation of the sorts of use cases that might be supported at each of the day uh, capability levels for the vehicles from day 0.5 up to day four. And finally, in the bottom right, there is a life cycle of data use there to give an understanding of how roadwork data in this case might be used by, produced and used by consumers. 
If we look at the information systems architecture, this is another couple of examples of um, artefacts that we've included in each of the report. This one again is taken from Roadwork. In the bottom right, we've got the, with the red boxes, they are the piece of the data catalog or, or data model. It's a conceptual data model that highlights the important pieces of information that relate to Roadwork. And the whole idea is that this is highlighting the data that's important for an agency to either create or collect because CAVs would be expecting this sort of information or data. And on the left, we've got what's called an application interaction diagram. And that shows the, the blue boxes, which are the applications or systems that an agency might use to actually um, create and provide data to CAVs. But it also shows the data that was identified in the conceptual data diagram, how that's being transferred or where that's being transferred between systems and also external stakeholders or consumers. What's also in this, in each of the first six reports are some examples or models of how these things may be tied together. So in this particular example, I've shown from the roadwork document, um, you can see use cases expressed as activity diagrams on the left, overlaid with the purple um, indicators to say where those things match up with in the application diagram on the right. So we see examples of how these things are in use, in use together. Okay. So the whole idea of this reference architecture is that agencies can use these as a starting point to then um, look up as a bit of a reference and then adopt and adapt them or modify them to their, to their particular environment. And they're conceptual in nature in the sense that there are, there are no product names uh, mentioned in these, these images and it's up to the agency to understand and map it to their products that might be in place or things that they need to acquire. In terms of the transfer of information. One of the important things that we've highlighted is the need to look at data standards because to date, the experience with road agencies providing data to road users means that it's basically bespoke and unique to each of the agencies. But where what we're suggesting is that agencies need to look at the standards that are already there and use them where possible. It's not to say that they're all complete. There are gaps that exist. Um, but one of, the, one of the things that's emerging from research and experience is that automated vehicles, although standards aren't created, they will likely use the existing standards that are there and being developed for cooperative ITS. So I think if agencies were to look at these standards right now, it gives them a good foundation for the things they need to do to support automated vehicles in the future. And so what we've done in each of the reports is given you a, a catalogue, I guess, of standards and specifications that might be useful. And this is a, just a table that's summarised out of the final report um, showing the different interfaces types one to nine from our original uh, ecosystem diagram and indicating for the different, in, different data types what standards might be useful. Another important aspect of providing data is making sure it's of high quality. So we've already touched on this, but this is probably one of the burning things that agencies need to address pretty soon. 
because if we don't provide data that is of a certain level of, of uh, has a certain level of trust, it won't be used. Right? So we can look at quality and level of service from a couple of different angles, but generally there's a, there's a number of criteria that can describe data quality. And so these are really the, the non-functional aspects of your data besides the what we said, suggested might be level of service is related to geographical coverage. Um, but there's a bit of a, a, a crossover here to the quality and non-functional requirements of availability, timeliness, latency, accuracy, correctness, event coverage, variance, and in terms of traffic signal information, predictability, because there's a element, especially with um, adaptive traffic signals, to be able to understand whether something that's forecast is actually going to happen and doesn't change. So on this note, we do note there is some work in the EU going on to look at the quality of CITS data that's uh, focused on road work and weather. So the important thing is here that you may, we talked about data, data standards in the previous slide, but data standards are there, but you've also got to overlay a certain element of data quality and level of service to make sure that that data is actually useful. In terms of the final component of the data provision framework, we've provided some implementation guidance as well. So it generally follows this five-step process about using the capability model to establish a target state. And then we go through with the architecture to decide what the business and information system changes are before developing a roadmap and then proceeding to deliver the changes. So that's a general process that we've suggested that agencies follow through with to improve their data provision. And coming to the end of this pack of slides, I've got a few more things here, I'm talking about other report findings. So in doing this work, we also looked across agencies to understand what the state of play was with respect to what sort of data is collected, provided, and to whom do they provide data. So each of the reports also has this view. Um, and then we've performed a gap analysis between the conceptual architecture that's provided for each of the target states, for a number of target states. We've done a gap analysis com uh, comparing where agencies are currently. Uh, and so you can find this information within each of the reports. But to summarise, specifically looking at these six data sets of road work, incidents, variable speed limits and lane control signals, static speed limits, traffic signals and heavy vehicle access restriction, this table summarises the current state of play. So the second column indicates that there are some agencies that don't even provide this data. Right? So we're starting from a very low level of maturity. So when you look at the, even when you look at the average capability level, we're generally under uh, an equivalent day 0.5 capability level. However, there are some bright spots and those things we've reflected as upper capability levels because we do have some agencies that are actually piloting or have implemented better data that meets uh, the equivalent of a day one capability use case. And we're specifically talking about uh, examples, for instance, in Queensland TMR with their CABI pilot and, and a couple of examples, say, in New South Wales and perhaps Victoria and maybe SA as well, where they've explored the potential for deploying CITS type use cases. But as I said at the outset, we're generally quite low. So there's opportunities, but also some challenges here with provision of data to CABs.
So to finalise finalise this report, what we've done is provided a, a combined set of prioritised improvements, and we've categorised those four agencies into three groups. First of all, those that are considered the quick wins because they're relatively, we feel, low levels of effort but high value, and we should proceed with. The second group, the more strategic, might they're high value but will require further effort, so we need to start investigating those things. And then finally, there's a group that we need to consider uh, because they're lower value right now but may become more uh, important in the future, so they need to be uh, looked at. So in terms of those that we need to proceed with, we, we've got three items here. First of all, what we're suggesting is that agencies really need to look at how they provide support for the day 0.5 capability level because we're generally in that, at that state now. We have road users and vehicles that can communicate uh, via cellular technology. So there's things that agencies could do now into the short term to support that sort of environment. We also need to be considerate of interoperability, right? especially in Australia, if we're going to travel across state and territory borders, you would expect that receiving data in one state means that you can receive the data in another. So interoperability requirements need to be looked at. And because Australia and New Zealand are such a small market, we do obviously need to learn from other projects worldwide. So standards and experiences and projects that are going on uh, Australia's members should be looking to see what's developing and leverage off that rather than at the moment um, there's probably a, a, a case where a, each agency is doing their own thing not necessarily informed by those sorts of practices. In terms of those that are more strategic and more effort involved type um, initiatives we've got a, a, a list of things here but so then the first one is obviously to push beyond the day 0.5. Agencies need to start looking at those sorts of things into the day one plus type uh, cab, cabs. The second point I've laboured a bit on quality and level of service because if your data is not good enough, your vehicles can't use it. So it's something that's that needs to be looked at by agencies, but we recognise that that involves a fair bit of work. And related to that is the establishment of better data governance frameworks because that will help you drive better quality of data. So we push on agencies to improve the way that they manage their current data and new data. The fourth point is that data really should be machine readable, it should be structured and it should be built against uh, data models and possibly, where possible, uh, using standards which leads into the fifth point, that it would be good to support interoperability and streamline things, especially if you're dealing with the same um, types of commercial service providers that are asking for the same data of eight different jurisdictions. We probably should be looking at standardising the way that we do that. The next point is not so much of an issue now, but it will come when, when vehicles are more reliant on data and when there's the expectation that the data, including regulatory data like static speed limits are, uh, I guess, enforceable, then agencies need to start understanding what they need to do to make sure a certain uh, level of quality is provided and perhaps that data is warranted for certain 
use types. Right, so agencies need to start looking at how they in, integrate with electronic traffic regulations, which is a bit of a, a movement worldwide. There's some standards work going on right now. The next point is about looking at practices within a jurisdiction, because we do recognise that certain areas, whether it be rural versus urban, practices for recording data might be different. For instance, road work road work data captured in the in an urban area may differ to the way it's captured in a regional area. So agencies need to look at getting that consistency. The next point is really about um, managing change and stakeholder engagement. So road agencies involve a whole bunch of people and, and different areas for managing different sets of data. So it's really important to bring everybody on the on the journey here. Uh, it's part of the reason why we split the reports up into six different reports because for instance, you, you may be responsible for managing speed limits and have nothing to do with the generation of incident data. So you can quite happily read the report separately. But this point here is, is trying to pull it back together and say, look, to get real benefits, an agency needs to look at how it coordinates its efforts across the entire road agency, road and transport agency. Okay. And to that point, there needs to be some improved collaboration within an agency and consumers. Uh, such as information service providers and also emerging demands of vehicle manufacturers as well. Because when vehicles need data, um, it helps if agencies understand what those sorts of needs are. The second last point is there's something to probably be looked at in terms of each jurisdiction having a centralised data provider. Okay, because Inherently, you will be received, pulling in data, multiple data sets to support CAVs and, and then provide it out to one or more recipients. But it probably is something that agencies need to look at in terms of how best to do that with their solutions. Okay, do you, have, do you, do, do you, do you disseminate data using multiple um, systems or is it through one centralised system? And that probably goes, is an applicable Sort of consideration for the entire country as well as in how does each state and, and territory communicate that sort of data amongst each, itself each other and the final point there is the need to make sure that asset management system and other other systems that might be operational need to be consistent um, you might have cases where, for instance, uh, signs for speed limits are managed in one system, but the actual process for managing traffic, uh, sorry, setting those speed limits are in a different system. So that creates issues with data being out of sync. So agencies need to be aware of that. And finally, we have one lone point to consider, and that is looking at the big context of what um, a CAB might need in terms of data. We've looked at only six of the data sets that could be provided to CABs, but obviously there are a lot more. So agencies need to step back and look at what might be related or dependent in terms of data needs and then figure out what the best strategy for uh, providing that is. And that might include things like MAS. You know, MAS has, has needs similar needs to CAVs to understand you know, real-time traffic conditions to optimise travel. Well, that means that agencies are probably wise to look at those sorts of needs uh, in total. 
And that brings me to the end of the session. So right now I'll hand back to Katarina and see if there's any questions. Thanks so much, David. And we do have a few questions. Um, I will start with this one. Um, so pedestrian routes. Uh, pedestrian route choices are uh, complex uh, since they're more maneuverable. So how do you consider this issue in the data processing for a connected environment? And we lost your um, camera view for some reason. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, so the question if it's specifically about pedestrian routes, we haven't we haven't studied that as as a topic. So um, in terms of you know from just as an aside, we're probably looking considering um, what a base map might look like. And I'm just giving some thoughts on that. A base map might look like with with dedicated pedestrian um, walkways, but then detecting movements of pedestrians is a is a different thing. So that's the more transient data. Um, that's a bit of a challenge because I think there are no you know, standards about how devices may communicate with each other to identify a pedestrian, but uh, it's, it's a known issue. But uh, in this particular study, we haven't looked at that. Thanks, David. Um, so our next question relates to slide um, 28. Um, so looking at um, center to center, uh, center to vehicle interface, um, were there any examples cited for Datex uh, 2 in this context? So our participant had understood it to be more CDC focused, but could imagine some broader use being made. Yes, there. If, what comes to mind, there are a couple of projects in Europe, which have used Datex 2 for, um, I guess, a modified Datex 2 for center to vehicle. Uh, things that come to mind are Nordic Way. And I haven't got the details in front of me, but if you're interested, I, you know, Nordic Way is probably the reference. Now, if you look at the, the reports here, you'll be able to see what's written about those in, in each of the reports. Mm -hmm. oh, I should say Datex 2. Just an extra comment. Datex 2, there, there is the option in Datex 2 to actually write custom profiles for situations. And that is probably what has been done to, to facilitate those sorts of things where it might not be so obvious. Because I know, for instance, Datex 2 in Germany has been used for uh, exchange of static speed signs, which is not what I don't believe it was, you know, one of the core, core purposes of it. Um, thanks, David. So before I go to the next question, just a reminder, um, if you have any questions, um, we now have time uh, to ask them, just send them through. Um, and I will jump to slide um, 33, where you talked about current state of data provision. And one of our participants is asking if you could please um, talk a little bit more or explain what streams stand, um, stands for. Oh, okay. Sorry. So streams is owned by Queensland Department of Transport and Main Roads. It is their main um, ITS operational system there. And it is used across all bar one, I believe, road jurisdiction in Australia for either a combination of traffic and or motorway control. So for instance, let me look at the example. So the variable speed limits example, 
streams is used to control the variable speed limits and lane control signals on motorways. So that particular example we're talking about with the VSLs in Melbourne or Victoria, should I say, there was a trial to uh, push real-time speed limits or variable speed limits to vehicles. And so also from a traffic signal perspective, streams is the equivalent to SCATs in Queensland, except for Brisbane city. Um, so streams is used to manage the traffic signals in most of Queensland. Thanks, David. Um, and that was um, the last question that we currently have. Um, we will give our audience maybe a minute uh, to come up with some more questions if they want to. All right. I think we are. I think we're good to wrap up here. Um, no more questions. Thanks so much for for the questions that you did send. And I'll just jump to um, our final slides. Um, all right. We will wrap up here. Um, and uh, as we're doing that, I would like to invite you. Um, to our final sessions for um, this year. Uh, we will have two webinars on the 14th and the 16th of December, uh, and we will talk about groundbreaking work that we have recently published um, that enables the testing of uh, emissions and the release of microplastics. Um, I will finish that sentence, and I can see that we have a few more questions that came through. Or oh, maybe I'll just leave it. All right, so. Uh, David, you're still here. So we have um, two more questions that just came through. Um, so does the guidance uh, touch on uh, the vehicle requirement itself? No, in a short answer, no, it doesn't. It looks, it stops short of um, looking at what a vehicle is to do. It's more about what the agency's role and responsibility is. Thank you. Um, so, and another question. I'm worried that um, a forecast of 2% of vehicles being automated and connected um, is low. Um, Tesla alone represents more than 2.4% of new registrations in the US, and indeed, they only have 60% um, of the broader market. The units sold in Australia doubled. How did this number come to be and why aren't we are relying more on vehicle generated data given that it's clear future? Okay, I think to that point, well, we we were reciting another Ospro's uh, future vehicles report, which I believe has been updated, the 2031 future vehicles report, which I believe, Katarina, that's uh, online, and whoever's yes. asked that question yeah. is probably good yeah. to refer to that report. To the second report, second question, sorry, about vehicle generated data. Um, probably fair to say, Ospro's is actually looking at another project with that. Uh, we're involved in another project on that, investigating the potential use of vehicle-generated data uh, for road agency use, whether that's real-time or sort of static slash offline 
sort of reporting or analysis as well. So it is something that Asteroids is is mindful of. Um, but in this particular report, we we addressed it in the sense that we acknowledged that that in the future there will be a need to account for vehicle generated data or vehicle coming back from sorry data coming back from at least the vehicles. Um, but we didn't sort of specifically look at that as a topic. Um, thanks, David. And uh, I think that's it. So I will um, go back to our future sessions. Um, so as I started, um, one second, nope. Um, I just see that um, Elena sent a link to that report in the chat uh, for everybody. Um, all right, um, going back to our future session. So as I said, we will have two um, webinars um, next week. Um, and do join. Uh, there will be very interesting sessions where we we'll talk. We will talk about grind, um, groundbreaking work that we um, have published, um, and it enables the testing of emissions and the release of microplastics from asphalt uh, that incorporates recycled plastics. So just visit our website for more information and to register. And you can also sign up to our monthly um, newsletter to receive alerts. And as we close out today's session, a questionnaire will pop up on your screen. Please take a few minutes uh, to send us your feedback. It really helps us to know what you liked or didn't like about the session um, and what suggestions you have for future webinars. Once again, the session today is being recorded and we will send you the link um, to the recording when it's available on our website. Thanks so much, David. Thanks uh, again, everyone. Um, stay well and safe and we will see you hopefully next week or some other uh, next time. Thanks. Thank you.